0: And no there's never been anyone like you there's never God you are good. God, you are good in I searched the world, but He couldn't feel me, and then empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough, then you came along, and you put me back together. Desire is now satisfied. says God reigns over all the nations for he is seated on his holy throne for the kings of the earth belong to God and he is greatly exalted you reign in all the earth you reign in all the heavens you're holy you're seated on the throne nothing can stand
1: Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? We'll have you stand your feet. We're going to sing John 3.16 together.
0: Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find His mercy. Come to the table, He will satisfy. Taste of His goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that He gave us. His one and only Son to save us to ever live forever
1: Why don't you guys put your hands
0: together Bring all your failures Bring your addiction Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting there With open arms He's open arms for God so loved, the word that He gave us His one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in Him will live forever The power of hell forever defeated Now it is well, I'm walking in freedom For God so loved God so loved the world. Son to save, for God's so love. the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated, now it is well, I'm walking in for God so loved God so loved the world now bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world amen, are you thankful
1: you guys can take your seats. Good morning,
2: church. It's so good to see you all having Mother's Day. It's so our mother's in the room and watching online. We're so thankful for you to join us today. And if you're a first-time guest, I just want to welcome you to Salem Heights Church. You picked a great Sunday to join us. And now we're ready to worship. We're ready to hear from God's Word. And Pastor Justin's got a special Mother's Day message for us. So, hey, uh, in the month of May, each Sunday, we are highlighting some of our ministry and missions partners uh, to kind of let you know what's going on as we move into the summer months. And this Sunday, we wanted to highlight our friends over at the Hope Pregnancy Clinic here in Salem. Uh, they exist to empower women who are unprepared for pregnancy to make healthy, life-affirming choices and to introduce them to Jesus. It's a great ministry here in town, and for years we have been participating in what they call Baby Bottles for Hope. It used to be called the Baby Bottle Boomerang. And uh, outside these doors on our missions wall table, we have all these bottles. You're welcome. I want to encourage you to grab one on your way out today. And what we do is uh, they're just supposed to be filled with change, Uh, change to make change here in Salem. For those moms. And so uh, if you want to grab one of these bottles, again, they're outside on the missions door. And for about the next four and a half, five weeks, we're going to ask you to uh, maybe take your loose change and throw it in the bottle. And then on Father's Day is when we're asking you to return these bottles. If you'd like to, if you're not here today, if you're watching online or there's no bottles left, we have plenty of them. There shouldn't be a problem. You can also give online by visiting hopeforsalem.org, and you can click on the baby bottle donation link and make a donation to help that mission's organization. So hopefully you'll take advantage of that this morning. Let's now turn our attention back to worship.
1: Amen. Are you guys thankful for the moms that are in the room? Yeah, we're thankful for you guys. Psalm 130 says, If you, account, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, I wait, and my hope is in his word. We'll have you stand as we keep singing.
0: I searched the world, and it couldn't fail me man's empty praise and treasures of fade are never enough then you came along and put me back together every desire is now satisfied I'm here in your love oh there's nothing Better than you, oh there's nothing. Better than you know there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. And I'm not afraid. To show you my wisdom. My failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all. You still call me great. Because the God of the mountains the God of the valleys. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing. Better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. No, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing Nothing is better than. Morning to dance. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the. There's nothing better than You, Lord. There's nothing better than You, Lord. There's nothing, nothing. Is Darkest places I will call. Incline your ear to. Could I come before your throne? Yet full forgiveness means my gain. I stand redeemed, your grace I will wait for you, I will wait for you on your word. I will rely, I will wait. is satisfied So put your hope in God alone Take courage in His power to sing Completely and forever I will wait for you, I will wait for you, on your word, I will rely, I will wait for you, surely wait for you, till my soul. self has paid the price that all who trust in him today find healing in
1: his sacrifice. Declare it. That all who
0: trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. I will wait for I will wait for you through the storm and through the night. I will wait for you, surely wait for you, for your love is my delight. I will wait for Your love is mine. out when death
1: had claimed its victory
0: the king of love had given up his life the darkest day in history
1: they're on a cross they made for sin
0: What final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For oh, the earth began to fade And the veil was torn.
1: What sacrifice was made As the heavens
0: rolled?
1: When all was lost across eternity, the King
0: of Life is on the throne. For in a dark, cold room, where our Lord was one miraculous breath, and we're forever changed. All hail King Jesus. i <laughs>
1: aren't just words that we're singing to you. Lord, these are truths. These are realities. You died, you were buried, and you arose from the grave, Lord. You rose from the grave so that we could have life in you. So that someday all of the world could come bow before you. Sing, holy is the Lord. That is real and that will happen, Lord, and we thank you for it. Be with us this morning as we hear from your word. In your spirit, guide our hearts. In your name, amen. You guys may be seated.
3: I'm so bored. I wish I had something to do. Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look, an empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed. You're just gonna sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull on our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 AM? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're gonna be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? (laughs) Fight, fight, fight. The floor of this vehicle is so clean, I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. the shower? Does somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here?
4: Well, uh, happy Mother's Day. Aren't you glad to be in church this morning? Yeah. Yeah. That actually ends the prepared section of my notes. (laughs) <laughs> I was uh, I was actually sharing with Matt and Pete. Uh, in, in fact, there actually is just a, a blank section I got rid of here because uh, the, the notes, the formal piece of the notes that uh, we're going to be going through today, I had ready by Tuesday. But the introduction up until about five minutes ago was still uh, banging around in my head, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is, uh, as you know, I have, uh, for those of you that have been here very long, multiple voices in my head that are constantly going off, and one of them is a Scottish critic that will look at me and as I'm getting ready with my notes, he's shouting at me in my head saying, you're going to preach on Mother's Day? They're going to kill you? So it made me nervous. Um... But one of the main reasons that uh, any pastor would get nervous in a situation is when you love your folks and you know that quite often there's an aspect to a certain part of living life that is hard to unpack or hard to touch. It's probably a place that we need to touch. Amen? Amen. But I have a concern this morning because uh, many times, moms, you've showed up on a Mother's Day to hear a Proverbs 31 message and instead of leaving encouraged, you walk away feeling guilty or overwhelmed or like there's a list of things that you're not measuring up to and I- I'm, I'm grieved that that would be your experience. And yet motherhood is a high calling worthy of deep respect and much admiration. Amen? And so we have to find some way to be able to look at our moms and appreciate what it is that they have done, but also, moms, I want to prepare you a little bit this morning to be able to hear that praise uh, without somehow in the process always hearing a list of things that you did not do. That is not the intent this morning. Uh, This morning, I don't want you to walk away feeling like there's more to do. I want you to understand that we see the role that you've been handed by God. The word used for wife and mother in Scripture uh, is a word that is closely akin to the paraclete. It is the closest role to Holy Spirit that we have as humans to fulfill. And the role looks a lot like this. If there are moments where there are blessing, uh, where there is guidance, where there is continuity, if a good citizen is produced in a home, a mom quite often had a large role in producing that, amen? That's what they do. But also, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict, to prod, and to push And sometimes we've given moms the hardest roles in the most emotional and intense moments. They're the ones wading into the mess with us in those sticky times. And who has ever gotten those sticky times right every single time? Anybody here? But we ask them to do the most uh, profound work, shaping, intimate, close, overlooking faults, but also taking on responsibility. So, I'm pleading with you this morning, especially for our moms. Please, today, I, I just want you to set aside hearing any guilt or frustration. I want you to hear blessing. We are honoring you. We want you to know that we see that work. And, and especially, believer, today, if you are an upstanding citizen in any way, in other words, if you can be in this auditorium and people can appreciate being around you, I want us to appreciate our mom's portion of the role in developing that. Anything good in us, we know comes from the living God working through his spirit in the life of uh, the child of God. Amen? But he has assigned moms a big part of the physical presentation of those good gifts. I was reflecting on how hard it is to be a mom and to be seen right. And and, uh, the story that has gone around this church so many times, but as I called my mom this last week and warned her that I was doing a Mother's Day message, Mom, I know you're, you're watching. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, there's one story that, though, keeps coming up, even though it's family lore, and, you know, in families we get together and we tell the same stories over and over again, but there was one moment for Aaron and I that many of you guys know about my parents had decided to uh, go away for the evening. Aaron recalls them going to church. I think they were out on a date. I don't know, but uh, it was a mischievous moment for he and I to be left home alone. We got bored. We finished whatever it was that we had actually were supposed to be about early, and so we decided because uh, our mom had taught us to cook and it encouraged us to cook on our own that we were going to uh, make a meal. But we didn't want to just make any meal. We wanted to make taffy in the kitchen. And so uh, we got out this recipe, and, and on the, the recipe it actually told us that we were supposed to uh, get uh, out a bowl or, or something to cook. We didn't see exactly what kind of pan it was supposed to be, so we got a Pyrex dish because we knew uh, that that's supposed to be able to handle the heat. And so here's this glass dish, and we put it on top of a burner, and we got it roiling. And you're supposed to get sugar with just a little bit of margarine in there up to 400 and some degrees. And so we're there with a turkey thermometer stuck in the side, not having a candy thermometer, not knowing even really how to tempt this thing. We've poured all of this sugar and molasses and all of these ingredients into uh, this bowl, and the bowl has begun to turn colors. It's not translucent anymore. It's beginning to turn like orange. and, and In fact, it actually has a little bit of a pulse to it. It looked like it was breathing on its own as it's sitting on the stove. And so the glass and the molasses are becoming one and as it's sitting there, it, it says as part of the process that you're supposed to stir in hot butter. And so we had a little bit of hot butter that was in there. We started to stir that in. And it was concerning the crystal, the, 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 just the sounds it was making. But we did not have enough butter. And Aaron goes, hey, I know. We've got some butter in the freezer. And so he goes and he grabs some butter out of the freezer, cuts a cube in half and says this ought to be enough and throws it into the bowl. Now, mind you, uh, we were from Roseburg, right? So we're just glad we graduated with all of our teeth. But when you cook in the kitchen, especially when you're cooking molten lava, you're supposed to wear a certain type of attire down there. And Aaron was wearing what are called now Magnum PIs, right? So just, he had on a pair of skinny white shorts, that's it. And he's barefoot, shirtless in the kitchen, because we were dudes, we were going to eat whatever came off of the... The hot plate. Well, it explodes. And the next thing I remember is, I thought that there was a tea kettle going in the kitchen from the high-pitched screen, but it was actually Aaron in the corner, surrounded by broken glass and flaming sugar. The sugar is, has exploded out of the bowl and is rolling down over the countertop into my mom's precious kitchen. The, the carpet is on fire, and I'm running around looking for a, a, a fire extinguisher, but then we remembered, never use like water or anything like that in, a, in a, a kitchen fire, but you could use baking soda. So I look for baking soda really quick, don't have any, found a bunch of flour, and throw it all over the kitchen. Cabinets are on fire, stuff is uh, glazing over down there. Uh, it looks like a bad toupee on the carpet as we're trying to scrape it up really quick. And, and just in the middle of that, as Aaron finally has a trail out of the kitchen, we see the lights from the car coming down into the driveway and uh, we go to the door just the two of us and my mom just instantly knew my boys don't greet me at the door okay (laughs) she opened the door right away she goes boys and she comes in she was a, a home ec teacher and really loved her kitchen it is destroyed cabinets are ruined the stove is ruined. The floor is ruined. We've never had more rugs over our carpet on the floor in the kitchen ever. You know, there's like nine of them covering up all the burnt up holes and all of the destruction. Later on, she would bless us because the insurance bought her a brand new kitchen. She waited till we were gone to install it. We completely destroyed that. My, my brother recalls, he says, remember that old iron spatula that we had, and he says, I could hear her the next morning muttering as she's just chipping the results of our attempt. The name of the book, by the way, that held the recipe was called Let's Make a Memory. (laughs) Check. I can remember, uh, I I wish that that was an isolated incident, that that was just once in a while, but that really characterized pretty much our upbringing. Um... We drove our mom to the hairy edge of insanity. And I can remember going to our little church, Melrose, and telling somebody that I had felt called into ministry, that I was going to go and and be a pastor. And they just shook their head. They're like, I just don't see how that happens. (laughs) The question in my mind for this morning is, how do you take a kid like that or kids like that, how do you take kids that can be an irritation and turn them into anything that resembles a citizen of the world that's acceptable. How can they become acceptable? There's a formation, a discipleship process that's built into being a mom. The uh, Longman's dictionary describes somebody of character or somebody who has value. One of the ways you can describe them is they become a pearl. So mom, on the ways in, on the way in, you, you received a couple of pearls. Uh, Gals, you had, uh, most of you just were uh, given these so that you could reflect, but this is the thing that I want us to consider this morning. What does it actually take to make a pearl? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, we encounter somebody who was a pearl to the apostle Paul. Somebody who was an upstanding citizen, somebody who was of great value, and who meant much to the Apostle Paul, but Paul says this is one of the things that stands out about you, and he traces the trail in Timothy's life through his grandmother and his mother. And I want us to reflect on that. What does it take to make a pearl uh, as seen through a discussion between two men, two guys, one who was unmarried without children to our knowledge, and another one who was Intensive purposes probably clueless to the process and yet by the spirit of God they're having a discussion about how they were arriving on that day with Timothy being a blessing and Paul being so proud and he includes a grandmother and a mother in that discussion. 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verses 3 through 7. I'll let you stay seated this morning for Mother's Day. I want you to read this though and, and gather it in. The scripture says this, And I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. And I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I am convinced it's in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of sound judgment. Do you believe he said that? He did. Let's pray. Father, as we reflect on how it is that Paul understood Timothy, the trail that it took to get him to the place of this great value, Father, I pray that you would shape our hearts Help us to see in this passage not only what you do, which is of the greatest value, but in particular how you use moms to make little people of value, to make citizens in the world that are of use, that are sacrificial, that are a blessing. And help us today to reflect on our mom's role with grace. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, how you make a pearl, and I want you to make four observations before we go. And the first is this a pearl doesn't just happen. A pearl doesn't just happen. By God's grace and by His good design, in the life of an oyster, He causes a little irritant to take up residence in the oyster's home. And what happens next is critical. This is the design of an oyster. Uh, Instead of flushing that out, instead of getting rid of that, instead of setting that aside, the oyster, through consistent, faithful interaction with that grain of sand, turns it into a pearl. Constant, faithful interaction. There's an interesting word here. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you. So he's looking at a trail in his own life, and then he looks at Timothy. And he says, I remember your tears. I long to see that you might be filled with joy. There's a closeness in them. And he says, and I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Paul is developing this trail, but he says, I'm recalling this aspect in particular, and I see a trail in your life that goes from your grandmother through your mother and into you. And he says a word, a particular word, your sincere faith. Now this word comes to us, uh, we see it here in the Greek, but it actually comes from the Roman marketplace. As they would go uh, into the Roman marketplace, many of you uh, know this, they would uh, look at pottery or they would look at a cup or a bowl or something that would be of use uh, actually in the home. And, And quite often it was of mundane use. But they would be looking to buy something that would be able to hold water or hot water or that they'd be able to serve their family with. And what they would do is they would hold that up to the light and they would inspect it to see if it was sincere. And that word was without wax. Whether or not that bowl was without wax. What sometimes unscrupulous merchants would do is if they would drop a bowl or uh, they would chip it, they would put that back in there. They would take a little bit of heated up wax They would put that into the cracks and they would put the the piece back into place and then they would repaint over that, Uh, but it would be visible in the light that the crack was there and when it was under duress, when in, in the average everyday use, in the average everyday aspects of life it was needed to carry water or to put soup in or whatever it is that you were about to feed your family, when it was necessary, all of a sudden that little piece of wax would get heated up, it would fall out and the bowl would not be of use sincere is there's no hidden cracks there's nothing that you have covered over and he says i see timothy in your life actually a sincere faith in other words you haven't hidden your faults but you have openly addressed those so that there is nothing that sneaks in in the every day this is a trail he says that i see in your grandmother and in your mother and now i'm convinced that it's in you also He says, Timothy, when I take a look at your life, I see that every single day when you address the world, when you address me, when you go about that business, you're not hiding your faults, you're openly living in such a way that you honor the Lord and you honor him in the mundane, everyday tasks of life. How many of you are aware that there are very few moments that stand out, but faithfulness To build a tree and to build a person, it takes years and years of steady, faithful growth. Much of life is mundane. For 33 years, Jesus taught us the theology of the mundane as he lived first in a home doing chores without telling anybody what he did. We know very little about his childhood. Very little about the upbringing of Jesus. Here he is, day after day after day, sweeping, keeping shop, walking alongside his mom who was doing the same thing. We don't lift up how often mundane tasks and mundane details equal a faithful and beautiful life. He says, Timothy, I've watched you walk without needing recognition. You have consistently lived in such a way that you've put God on display by your faithfulness in the small things. Now, folks, being faithful, being sincere is different than being perfect. I want you to hear that, especially moms today. Faithfulness is different than being perfect. When you look in the mirror and you don't see perfect, you don't see what your husband and your kids on their good days see. They see somebody who cares, they see somebody of value. Any of us that are expecting perfection and the people around us are expecting the wrong thing, but faithfulness is something that God can produce in a life, and we should revere it. Being faithful is different than being perfect. But also a pearl, we must understand, is the beautiful result of a healthy response to chronic irritation. I have that in the notes in case, moms, you want to quote that later. I want you to hear me accurately. Our children and our husbands are not in irritation, but relationships by their very nature bring irritation. And the closer the relationship, the sharper the irritation, and if there's anything good produced in that relationship, it is because a steady and faithful response coats what would be an irritation with grace and blessing and turns that into a pearl. Any relationship that you look at and you watch the two interact in a way that is a blessing, that happens because grace has been inserted where irritation would be lifted up. Moms, of all of us, you do this the best. You cover over irritation. You don't keep the record of wrongs the way that most of the world does. A pearl doesn't just happen, but secondly, making a pearl takes time. There's a study that just came out uh, in the Northwest, in our specific area. The average cost to raise a teenager to the age of 17 is $250,000, just under $250,000. If you have two kids, that's half a million, three, three quarters of a million dollars to raise them to the age of 17. And on top of The financial weight of that is the constant pressure every day to feed, clean up, take care of, interact with, and bless, right? now, we don't highlight that to highlight the burden. We just highlight that to say that there is some effort that is required if you are a parent. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. But most of all, it takes time. I want you to to read this through the ears of Timothy for a moment. It says, I remember your tears, so Timothy, you and I are very close. You were sad when I left, and you know that I'm writing you this letter at the end of my life, and I'm probably going to die. I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. You're just like a child to me. I recall your sincere faith. It was in your grandmother. It was in your mom. He's praising his history. He's praising this amazing faith. But get this sentence. And I'm now convinced. That it's also in you. Now, think about this. This is probably 10 to 15 years after Timothy started serving alongside Paul. When he starts off, the, the uh, apostles had actually been told that we're no longer under the law, that those were, that were outside of the Jewish faith when they were being raised were no longer under the law. They didn't have to follow uh, the tougher points of the law. And yet, Paul calls Timothy and he says, There's certain aspects of the law that are only required of men, and I want you to go and fulfill that in order to serve with me. In this other tough place. And he asked Timothy to do hard things. Timothy shows up with him. And he he goes to that location. And he is so faithful that Paul says, here's a bag of money. And I want you and Titus to go and bring this money. Not only to the churches. But I want you to help distribute it to the churches. When you were talking about money in that culture in that day. You only handed money to people that you completely trusted. Then... He comes back to that location. He says, I want to install you as an elder, and then as a teaching elder, and then as a pastor. And he says, now I want you to disciple other people. So Paul has been with Timothy. First Timothy is actually written to a pastor at Ephesus called Timothy. He's already been faithful. So he writes this sentence, and he says, I see this in your grandma. I see this in your mom. You know what? I'm convinced you're good, too. How disheartening would that be for Timothy at first to read? What, now, finally, I've proved this to you? Why does Paul say, I'm now convinced, Timothy, that you're as faithful as your grandmother and your mom? Because you can't prove faithfulness in a moment. You cannot prove faithfulness through one action, or a moment's action, or a month's action, or a year's action. Faithfulness takes time. How many people have started well, lived well, and then just dove off? But faithfulness is, I'm always going to be there. No matter what our last interaction was, no matter how it was going earlier on, I consistently am taking another step towards the goal. That takes time. He says, Timothy, this is an honor to your grandmother and your mom, but they were faithful all of their lives in a way that put God on display, and I'm convinced as I see you now that I see that same kind of faithfulness. You're going to make it to the end. But there's a third aspect of of making a pearl that I want you to notice, and that is that there might be from time to time need to polish a pearl. A pearl. In order to restore its beauty, look what it says in verse 6 here. It says, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and sound judgment. Timothy, I'm convinced that you're faithful. I I see your tears. I love our relationship. I see that you love God. But you're beginning right now to struggle to stand up in a world that's trying to beat you down. You're struggling to be one of those folks who, when the world is pressing you, you take a stand in a way that focuses on God's plan rather than man's. He's reminding him of something that he had learned at home. He says, you learned this at home, now stick to it outside of your home." It is actually possible for pearls to yellow. I don't know if you're aware of this, but actually they come out of a a living thing. They come out pearly and white. Uh, But in places where there's a lot of heat, a lot of air conditioning, a lot of air movement, there's actually a a place where uh, they will begin to yellow, or they'll begin to lose some of the moisture content. They'll lose some of that luster that actually gives them that shininess. And there's a way to restore those and to polish them and to put them back into place. But the whole reason that you would polish a pearl is you're restoring it to what it was supposed to be. Paul is looking at Timothy and saying, I want to remind you, of what it is that you learned in your home and some things that you have become as a result of what you learned in your home, what God did in your life through those commitments. And I want you to stand up to those things, live up to those expectations. Sometimes a child needs reminding. For the moms in the room, I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this because we say it so often. It is possible for a child to lose their way and it is not your fault. In fact, it is probable that a child will lose their way and it is not the mom's fault, it is entirely between the child and the Lord. Amen? We have to give an account for our decisions before God, us and the Lord. Moms don't have to be perfect in order to create perfect kids. Only God is perfect. A child can lose their way without a mom being at fault, and we need to make sure we highlight that when we are struggling with choices that our kids make. God used the Apostle Paul to come alongside and remind Timothy of something that his mother and grandmother had taught him. And quite often in your home, it will be somebody on the outside. In fact, you may even be frustrated by this. Year after year, Interaction after interaction, you're saying, this is valuable. This is something that I, we really highly uh, want you to follow through with. And somebody from the outside will come along and say, hey, I think you ought to do this. And they go, wow, that's mind-blowing, right? And they tell you as if it's a new idea. Just receive it. Child can lose their way without it being your fault. You, you may have to polish them, but God may use someone else. Just know that he's got a plan. And the final process in making a pearl is this understanding, and that is that a string of pearls is meant to be appreciated. Paul says at the very beginning, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you. And then he says, and I remember Eunice, and I remember Lois. He remembers them by name. I remember the way that they lived, and Timothy, you ought to revere what it is that they taught you as well. And he brings out these thoughts these beautiful gems, and he says, look at these gifts that you were given and appreciate them. Now, I want to say something, and and moms, I've, I've been in part mostly speaking to the people around you, but I want you to hear me. Sometimes on Mother's Day, it's hard to hear the appreciation from our family or from our kids. It's hard to hear it. There might be times where You say, well, you know what, this would have been nice yesterday or last week or last month. Could you have appreciated me a little bit during this moment or that time? I want you to set that aside for a moment and understand that I really believe, as I have uh, interviewed some moms, and I've interviewed a bunch of people this last week about their moms, this was their consistent response. I haven't known how to tell her. I haven't known the way to bring it up. How much I value her be, and, and, and their own personal reflection, not any prompting from a pastor. They said, I, I haven't done a good job at this. In fact, it will come out of left field for me to appreciate her the way that she needs. I want you to hear any praise that you would receive today with those ears. I believe they're trying to tell you something that they really do wish to tell you through the rest of the year. And I want to speak to children here today. If you have a mother, and I believe the statistics are fairly high. (laughs) If you've benefited any way from a discipler or a godly mother, I I want you to let them know. Today, put that on display. Two things I want you to highlight. And if you have a meal with your mom today, this is what I want you to do. I took time to do this with my mom this last week in as soft a way as I could. I want you to let her know of some of the ways that you know you've been a chronic irritation. Don't spend time to muddle, okay? Don't wallow. No false humility. But an awareness of how hard it has been is a blessing. But focus on this. Focus on the ways that you saw their grace and that you have learned from them. And I want you to give a specific. Be prepared when you talk to your mom with a specific about how it is that she actually covered your irritation with grace. How has she actually blessed you? Husbands, fathers, for those of you that will be at that table, I want you to encourage this. Set the example. Highlight for those women in your life that have sacrificed a beautiful picture of what it means to bless. We should do this for our moms today. Amen. We have uh, some discussion questions for you that I think, especially for those that are watching from home, that I would want you to be able to walk through, if possible, walk through these even with uh, your mom. This is a time for open reflection and uh, confession. But I want us all to see that even in Scripture, it is right to pause reflect and to bless our moms. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would help us today to help our moms feel seen, but also to uh, remind them of the great value, the high calling of that role. Father, this is a day to cherish, to bless, to be self-aware, and we pray that you would help us to do just that. Uh, Help us to put your heart and your spirit on display and help us to be thankful for the heart in our home. Uh, Our moms, the wives that have so beautifully uh, put your desire in the family on display by being a comforter, uh, by bringing kindness, by being a mediator, um, by being a counselor. Father, I pray that you would help us to bless our moms. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning.
1: Sing, I believe.
0: I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen.